0: Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Tuesday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke Wolf. What's
1: going on over there? How was your weekend? Oh, it was fantastic. Are you kidding me? Big L on the forehead as the family was out of town. I will not tell you where, but they were up in Williams, Arizona. <laughs> so I guess I will tell you. Really held out, there. hanging out of the compound, just me and Baron, of course. Even Baron had a big L on his Labrador forehead. But it felt out. good. Well, <laughs> it's said, a big loser. I mean. This sounds like a win, really. We just kind of sat around the entire weekend.
0: Nothing wrong with that. Did a whole lot of nothing. Three day weekend too, and uh, you. This is usually what you remind me of. The best thing about the three day weekend is it's a four day work week. The next week, see that already right
1: Ding 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 ding! We've got a winner. How about that? T- tomorrow is Wednesday, brothers. <laughs> It just seems so unfair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we've got a, a potentially huge week. Should be a huge week coming up because that Suns game on Friday night oh man looms there's yes it does The a game either way but there's a, a pretty good chance that's Kevin Durant's debut we're obviously going to talk a lot about that today the All-Star break is uh, well the All-Star game is over the break just lingers for like a week and a half but let's start with the Cardinals Wolf because they have their offensive and defensive coordinators and their special teams guy and they're making some moves uh, the, the coaching staff is coming together quickly this weekend Weekend.
1: You know what's amazing about it, it, just There were so many stories that were breaking over the weekend in regard to the Arizona Cardinals. It just um, We're going to talk to Peter King, of course, the legend that is Peter yeah, King. Yeah, in like 10 minutes. We're going to talk to him in like 10 minutes. Peter King wrote, you know, I mean, this guy, you're talking about the preeminent sports writer when it comes to the game of football, as far as I'm concerned, Peter King. And um, just the, the interview that he had... The the conversation he had with John Gannon, of course. Jonathan Gannon. Don't call him John. I do want to call him John. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to break it down to J.G. at some point in time. Is that okay, J.G.? I mean, that's what he goes by. That's what I'm told You call JG. him whatever
0: you want as far as
1: I'm concerned. J.G., the conversation that he had right there was very interesting for so many different reasons. And then Drew Petzing was hired from the Cleveland Browns as the new offensive coordinator. It just... Um, Um, Nick Rollis was hired as the defensive coordinator over the weekend as well. You had Jeff Rogers, the former special teams coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals come back again on this staff? I mean, he, he was hired by Steve Wilkes. Well, that says something. If, uh,
0: if you're hired and then by a coach, that coach gets let go, and then Cliff Kingsbury comes in and he keeps you, and then he gets let go, and Jonathan Gannon comes in, and he keeps you too. <laughs> Jeff Rogers must be doing something right. Peter King has a, you know, he always has Football Morning in America, and it's always a great read. But specifically this week, if you were a Cardinals fan, and you're like, man, I, I just I don't know much about this head coach or these assistant coaches he's bringing in, if you have trepidation about the way the Super Bowl played out. I know a lot of Cardinals fans do, because I heard that a lot this weekend uh, with the you know the second half and, and how two of the Kansas City Chiefs touchdowns guys were wide open and all of a sudden that defensive coordinator is your head coach. I would encourage you to read Peter King's Football Morning in America piece this week specifically, but don't read it right now because he is joining us in about eight or nine minutes and so he's going to go over but he talked to Andy Reid about those plays he talked to Jonathan Gannon a lot about those plays but also what Gannon's philosophy is when he comes in here and you can call him J.G. Wolf we might just start calling him Wolf because he sounds a lot like
1: you in some of the stuff he's saying (laughs) What? Yeah, you know what? So, listen, right now, um, I loved what he said over the weekend. I, I really do. Uh, it was huge, but I, I want to talk about his accountability first and foremost because I loved what he said to Peter King. I, I really do. I, I love the fact that he was taking full account for his actions in the Super Bowl and it says so much about him and the direction of this team going forward. So many dudes would try to ignore their defeats and Can I get an amen on that? So many dudes try to do it. They try to ignore it. They try to cover it up um, They will champion their victories <laughs> They will champion those victories but they're going to try to ignore their defeats so much of the time and yeah, that is not what JG did. That is not what Jonathan gannon did and that to me um tells me he must be very very accountable and he's going to be accountable to his players apparently as well that is a huge thing when a coach gets up in front of a team he's got to hold everyone's feet to the fire and i mean everyone's feet to the fire starting with himself Starting with himself. And there are coaches that have a very, very hard time, and I mean good coaches, that have a very, very hard time holding their feet to the fire first. But yet, you have to understand how critical it is, how important it is that they do that. Because a player is going to see through you if you hold his feet to the fire, but he will not hold his own feet.
0: Well, there's a lot of accountability over the weekend from Jonathan Gannon on how the, the Super Bowl ended. And, and again, that I get why people are looking at that, and we're going to ask Peter King about this. I, I just, I don't really care that his defense couldn't couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes in the second half of the Super Bowl because honestly, if that's the prerequisite to be the head coach, there's not going to be many head coaches in this league. I, I mean, I, I firmly believe that. Now, if he comes in here and his defense can't stop anybody all season, I'm going to have I'm going to have concerns certainly. But his defense was so good last year in Philadelphia, and yes, they didn't face a lot of great quarterbacks, but their defense was dominant for a good portion of the season. This is an unknown to me. I, I like what Jonathan Gannon is saying so far. When this process started, though, and even before they fired Cliff, my thought my, and I said this repeatedly on the show, if you're going to fire Cliff, have a specific plan, and I want some experience. You could make a case, and I don't even think you have to make the case, math may make the case for you, that they're going to have the youngest coaching staff in the history of the sport. If you just look at head coach, uh, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator, I believe it's 35 years and two months old. That's the average age. So it's not, there's no experience. But I liked this quote. From, uh, from Gannon in the, the Peter King piece said, uh, quote, age isn't a prerequisite for firepower. I've always thought that when we got to Philly, we had the youngest staff in the NFL. There's a reason that our players ran in the, into the building to come to work. I love that. I'm going to have some guys with major, major experience worked into the staff because I value that too. Unquote. There's more, but that, that's that's the main part. So it'll be interesting to see who he sprinkles in around these guys. But the main guys are going to not just be. Uh, they don't have a ton of experience. They're going to be younger than like any other staff maybe ever in yeah. the
1: NFL. So right now you've got two very young coordinators. Offensively, of course, you've got Drew Petzing, and then defensively you have Nick Rallis. Of those two right there, was there one that you preferred? Was there a hire that you you kind of focused on over the weekend, whatever that may be, and said? You know what, I really like that one right there. I like Rallis.
0: It's not a knock on petsing, I just don't know enough about him yet. But I, I and again, Rallis is extremely young. He's the youngest one of the bunch. But I like the idea of you now have a defensive minded head coach but you also have a defensive coordinator. But they're very familiar with each other. Yes. So this is, it, it's not as big of a deal to me to have separation from the head coach and the defense as it is to have separation from the head coach and the quarterback like we didn't have the last four years. But I don't think it's a bad thing. It, it almost felt like the Cardinals were operating short staffed the last couple of years. They're not now. And, and I'm,
1: I, I, Rallis is the one that really intrigues me. Yeah, you know what? Um, I like them both. <laughs> oh, trick question. See what I did right there? I like them all, as a matter of fact. That's what I ought to say, because when you hire Jeff Rogers as your special teams coordinator, guess what, Basin Ernie, you just got a whole lot better. Well, I knew a you like that. A whole lot one. better. Love that one right there. It was just so smart. It was just so smart by the organization. Listen, once you find a coach that that is good at what he does, Man, you you gotta you gotta try to do everything you possibly can to hold on to that guy and the fact that you got Jonathan Gannon coming in here and really I I don't know his comfort level. I don't know how much he knows Jeff Rogers. I just know that he hired him as a special teams coordinator, and I'm sure a lot of it came on the advice of the organization. Because of the job Jeff Rogers has done here, I thought I thought it was so smart. But there's so many things I want to say about Drew Petzing. So many things, and I have no time. There's a reason you don't have time. Uh, The 35th annual Arizona Renaissance
0: Festival has begun. The Renaissance Festival lasts each weekend until April 3rd, and we're giving you the chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Just visit the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. When we come back, what is Jonathan Gannon's plan for Kyler Murray? Peter King, the author of Football Morning in America, sat down with Gannon for a while over the weekend. He's going to join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right. always great wolf to talk to the great peter king but uh, today of all days is it's especially valuable if, uh, if people haven't seen this football morning in america piece this week it really does a, a lot of a focus on jonathan gannon and the end of that super bowl and what he and this uh, coaching staff may bring to the cardinals peter king joining us right now on the arizona sports line peter thank you for the time how are you doing
2: Everything's going great, guys. How about you?
1: Uh, we're doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. Craig wanted me to say hello to you as well, Peter. So, <laughs> Hello from Craig. The
2: amazing, the amazing and storied Wolfley family from <laughs> coast to coast, baby.
1: Yeah, just wanted to say hi to you, Peter. Thanks
0: for joining us, man. Alright, sure. Uh, Peter, in, in your uh, in your story, one of the, the lines was, uh, America doesn't know Jonathan Gannon yet, basically. And now you talked to him for a while over the weekend. What's uh, Uh, And and maybe you've known him before that, too. What are your impressions of him? What should people know?
2: I didn't know um, Jonathan really at all. I mean, I had met him once or twice, but I didn't know him. And, you know, look, a 25 or 30-minute phone conversation is not enough to get to know somebody. But, you know my first thought when i get off the phone is man i can tell how people uh when they like if he has a free agent in there money notwithstanding um people will want to come and play for this guy he's uh he's very convincing he's very um enthusiastic he really believes in himself and he believes in what he's selling and and look i think we all know <clears throat> that this coming year is probably going to be, I don't want to necessarily say a lean year, but I mean, this almost certainly is not going to be a championship season for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but no surprise, if, if Bill Belichick uh, was the coach of this team, it wouldn't be a championship season. But but I do think that he believes in uh, building it Um, really from the ground up and was very uh, instrumental in how the Eagles' defense was built. I mean, obviously, Howie Roseman is the one calling all the shots there, but the Eagles had a very, very strong belief in in Jonathan Gannon's ability to build uh, A defense built to last. And, um, you know, they basically, by the end of this season, had nine defensive players on that defensive front who were playing a role uh, you know, depending on what week it was and who they were playing. They you know, he, he just believed that in a long season we need a lot of good players. So I think this is gonna be a really interesting team to watch how it's formed by he and Monty Fort because I think I think in in general you you usually think of a team as uh, 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 is something that's formed by a general manager, mm-hmm. um, and 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 obviously there are some teams, some coaches that have personnel authority, personnel control, and whatever is written in Jonathan Gannon's contract, and I don't even know what it says in there about uh, you, you know influence over personnel, but there's no question he's going to have a lot of influence. On the personnel and, and on the 53 man roster.
1: You know, on that note right there, Peter, just talking to him myself, um, this is a 40-year-old guy that seems to have embraced a lot of the old traditions, if you will, of the game of football, yet is still very, very tapped into the new age. He struck me as an old soul, Peter. Would you agree? Yeah.
2: Well, here's here's the thing. I think Mike Zimmer was very influential with him. Um and although I do think he has a lot of beliefs in new age thoughts and and, mm-hmm. and analytics, um, you can tell by the way he calls his defense. Um, if you watch the Philadelphia defense, especially this year, I mean, it's amazing that in um, – Whatever they played twenty games, they played twenty games this year. you know he called a zero blitz eight times in twenty games. <laughs> he believes very strongly and stridently in um in basically your front getting home and I think that's how he's gonna try to to form his his defense. Uh, that, um, you know, in today's football, and he was, as I wrote, he was very rueful over the last touchdown, the touchdown that Sky Moore. Uh, scored uh, in Glendale to win the Super Bowl, in effect. Mm-hmm. Or, to you know, to, uh, that was the last touchdown they got, and obviously they won it on a field goal. But, but he was rueful for it because, obviously, when you send a zero blitz at Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes has one guy wide open, well, a zero blitz doesn't do any good. You would have been better off, obviously, keeping an extra person back there, uh I mean obviously you would have been better off in covering Sky more, you know, which they didn't do. But um I think that he believes that he's gonna want to build a team that isn't going to have to blitz mm-hmm. to get a lot of pressure because look, next gen stats has been doing uh has been doing Uh, study, intricate study of of every game since 2016. And in the next-gen stats era, they have never had a team that led the NFL in sacks, and 75% of those sacks came On on non blitzes, Mm. Uh, and so, and that's what happened to the Eagles this year. Um, You know, fifty-seven of their seventy-seven, some whatever, I think that's the right number. Fifty-seven of their seventy-seven sacks came, uh, you know, on just rushing four. And so, I think that is how Jonathan Gannon really wants to play football, and. In in a league now when there are so many quarterbacks just filling the air with footballs, um, I think there's a lot to be said for that.
0: Peter King joining us. Uh, Peter, in your story, Jonathan Gannon, there's a quote. He said, if Kyler Murray isn't here, I don't take this job. And and you noted in there, Kyler Murray's been a little bit of a polarizing figure, which is an understatement, at least around here. From your experience, how is Kyler Murray viewed around the National Football League right now?
2: With a lot of skepticism. Because, uh, you know, are you going to be able to, like Jonathan Gannon says, um, I want to have two different offenses, one from under center and one in the gun. Um, and that's a little bit of an exaggeration. You're not going to have two totally different offenses. But I do think that one of the things when you when you look at what uh, Jonathan Gannon and, and obviously Drew Petzing is going to be the offensive coordinator um, who they got to know each other in Minnesota – I think that one of the things that you're trying to do is have a little bit more of the element of surprise or the element of uncertainty. At the quarterback position, because it was clear that, you know, that obviously Cliff Kingsbury, and there certainly is going to be a lot of this anyway, wants to move his quarterback and wants to get him out of the pocket and make him a big threat, um, make his mobility a big threat. That's still going to happen. I just think that, you know, obviously last year the highest percentage of a player's, uh, of a quarterback's, uh, you know, of a quarterback in shotgun formation was Kyler Murray. And I just think he wants to get that out from wherever it was, 95 or, or whatever it was. I think he'd like to get that down if I'm going to guess, maybe down in the 70s, just so that a defense is going to have more to prepare for.
1: So, Peter, um, can I just say in the Wolfley compound right now, you are the preeminent writer, of course, on the game of football, so I have to ask you this, my friend. The state, oh, of, football, the state of football, where's it all headed, Peter?
2: Well, I'll tell you, is the one thing I think they will do one change i think that will be made this off season i think they're going to eliminate the uh you know the uh assistance on quarterback sneaks um not that that's a huge part but i think that's gotten a little bit out of control um not that the eagles have done anything wrong they're simply playing by the rules and but I think now you hear other teams saying, "Well, if that's going to be the rule this year, we're going to be doing a lot of that too. Why not? Um, but as far as where the game is going i think I think there's a couple of um, a couple of things to watch in the very near future. I think you know the pendulum always changes in football, and <clears throat> whereas maybe five years ago. We all thought that the game was going um, inexorably to uh, a passing game that absolutely – uh, you know, unless you threw the ball 45 times a game, you are going to be left behind. But I think one of the things, I mean, you saw it even in this Super Bowl. Andy Reid said, We are going to run the ball at the Philadelphia Eagles. They yeah. started it very early, and they were convinced during the course of the game that they had to run the ball um, because, look, and, and the condition of the field. Was part of this, um, but I think they felt that you know Hassan Redick was so good, the pass rushers are so good that now, and I think I think you're seeing this with a lot of teams in the NFL. You saw it last year with the, with the Raiders particularly. Josh Jacobs became far more a part of that offensive attack as the year went, went along. Um, it was Saquon Barkley healthy with the Giants, uh, and even Daniel Jones running the ball. But I do think that we are going back to the run a little bit. Uh, even though, like, I don't think teams are going to be paying running backs, uh, I think you're going to see Tony Pollard and and Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley this year either be franchise tagged or that there be a limit to what their team will spend on the running back because I hate to say they're a dime a dozen. They're not exactly a dime a dozen, but you can find really good backs – You know, up and down the draft. I think the one other thing is, look, if you watch the way football is played right now, I think you see a game that more and more and more the value is placed on getting pressure on the edge and getting pressure without blitzing. The Eagles obviously did it this year. So I think you're going to see more and more teams um, in the draft this year, for instance. I think you're going to see more and more teams try to make really good edge rushers out of picks that even come down the line. Like, for instance, George Karloff this end of the first round uh, for, for Kansas City and more guys later in draft. I think because colleges now are uh, inventing so many of these really, really good edge rushers. You don't have to be a big person to do it. Um, And so I think there's going to be more and more emphasis on on getting pressure without blitzing and on running games uh, increasing in importance in the next few years.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Peter, thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it. God bless you, and we love you, buddy. Thanks, thank
0: Peter. You. Hey, no problem, guys. Happy to be on. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's uh, Peter King right there joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. And like I said, check out that column, the Football Morning in America, especially this week. Every week, really, it's great, but especially this week with all the Cardinals stuff. Texas your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty. 620 right now when we come back, how long is it going to take for the Suns to build chemistry with Kevin Durant? They don't have a ton of time. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, thanks to Peter King for joining us last segment. Over to Phoenix Suns basketball, Wolf, and they still don't play until Friday. Quite the the all-star break, but when they do play on Friday, we're all anticipating, we haven't heard anything definitive, that Kevin Durant, if he doesn't play Friday, it's, it's going to be close, yeah. right? Uh, before we even get into KD, because how many times have we had a conversation, oh, it's, it's Kevin Durant, right? They got Kevin Durant. It's Everybody KD. Traded Mikel Bridges, but you got Kevin Durant. Uh, Anthony Edwards put a twist on it over the other weekend. Did you hear this? Anthony Edwards, great player for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, they got KD, but we got Jaden McDaniels. Well, I didn't expect to hear that. That's
1: was, that was great right there. <laughs> That's a little bit different. What, what is he doing? Why, why would you say that, right there why would you say that
0: when i saw it in print i was like well that's
1: that's a lot of sarcasm and then i listened to it, i was like he's not being sarcastic no he's not being sarcastic he's sticking uh, up for his teammate uh, and, and that's all, fine sticking but, up for his teammate but I, I once again why would you do that because it makes your teammate ultimately look bad I, I, it makes you look bad and it makes your teammate look bad
0: Jaden mcdaniels is a is a good young player and actually a player that the Suns were even linked to at one point. Jaden McDaniels, power forward, Washington. McDaniels is one of the best athletes in the draft. At six foot nine with a nearly seven foot wingspan, but he wasn't able to find much success with all that going for him. He was an erratic decision maker with the ball, averaging three point two turnovers to only two point one assists per game as a wing. There's an attractive blend of skill within that physical profile that surely wooed teams in workouts. But McDaniels is raw and is going to be a project for the team that drafts
1: him. And he's not Kevin Durant. Yeah. Why would you say that? Again, so <laughs> I've got a problem know. with that right now. Can we focus more on Kevin Durant? We can. And here's KD actually had to say. Here's
0: KD over the uh, at All Star Weekend or over over the All Star Break, I should say, talking about uh, how quickly because. The game on Friday, whether he comes back or not, the Suns have 22 games left starting with Friday. So whether he's there on Friday or he's there in the next game, they and they, you still don't have campaign back. He's supposed to be back soon. But the biggest thing for me now over this final month and a half before the playoff starts is they got to get everybody out there not just for chemistry, but so Monty Williams can figure out rotations because he has a bunch of pieces that are new. And he has guys that haven't been playing because they haven't been healthy. But KD did say he believes the chemistry on this team in particular can develop quickly.
1: If you're locked in enough, um, it can happen pretty fast. You've got veteran players that know how to play the game and know different terminologies. So I think, you know, we put our mind to it. It can happen pretty quickly. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, talent, 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 talent is a funny thing about this, man. You got the schemes and you got your plans and that's good. You got to have a plan. (laughs) You really do. But it's just amazing the way talent will win games. You've got to have talent. You've got to have toughness. I don't care what sport you're playing. If, in fact, you're banging into somebody else and basketball is much more physical than most people give give it credit for banging away it really is even today it's still much more physical than most people give it credit banging away carrying a guy up and down the floor who's 240 pounds and puts the body on you down low yeah you know what it gets pretty physical and because of that anytime you've got that element in the game you've got to have talent and you've got to have toughness And the talent part of it wins an awful lot of games for you. And that's what I think of when I think of the Suns, with Kevin Durant and, of course, Devin Booker. And then you've got Chris Paul as the facilitator, and then you're throwing in DeAndre Ayton.
0: Kevin Durant uh, on the narrative that the Suns are not deep enough.
1: I don't think people watch the, the Phoenix Suns enough to say that. You know, and we got a couple guys back in this trade, but also signs Ter- Terrence Ross as well. So um, I, I, once our team gets whole, we'll figure out where we are and see see what needs the holes needs to be plugged in. But the easy thing is to say right now we don't have a bench.
0: So you got to remember he he's played alongside Chris Paul before in the Olympics, right? He's, he's even played a little bit with Booker. And when you talk about depth on this team... And I'm just rattling off some of the names here. OK, when everybody's healthy, you've got Chris Paul, you've got campaign, you've got obviously Booker, uh, Damian Lee, Landry Shamit, perhaps uh, TJ Warren, Torrey Craig, Josh Akogi, Kevin Durant, Darius Baisley, DeAndre Ayton, Bismack, Biombo I mean, there's it, that's that's plenty of players for a playoff rotation. You're not going to use all those guys in the playoffs. You have the four main guys and you got to figure what you need four. Pieces you truly trust in a playoff series beyond those four, maybe a fifth. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're going to go nine deep. They've got the pieces, most likely. They just got to get healthy and let them play together for a little
1: bit. Yeah, and what I also loved too what he what he answered was pretty uh, thoughtful. I think of Kevin Durant, where he said, "If you're locked in enough, it can happen pretty quick." See, to me that that puts a little bit of the onus on the talent that the Suns have. The, the guys like Chris Paul, the guys like Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, the guys like Kevin Durant, they're, they're going to come out swinging. If, in fact, he plays Friday night, his first night, against OKC, and I think that probably is going to be the case. And why do we think that? Because they moved the game. Somebody, gra- ESPN, grabbed yeah. the game and then moved it to 8 Not o'clock Grabbing a lot of well. OKC
0: games for no reason. Yeah.
1: You know what? I think that's where we're going to see. Kevin Durant, but it's going to be fascinating because he's put the onus on them. If you're locked in enough, it can happen pretty fast. The talent is there. They just got to lock it in. Jonathan Gannon's starting to sound
0: a lot like Wolf, actually. We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Like we need to fire Wolf up anymore for this segment. Let me see. Let me just get the quote just right.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying, if you do want to play in a football game and you don't know which music to listen to to get ready for it, you might want to listen to this. It'll fire you up a little bit. That's all I'm saying. This uh,
0: this Jonathan Gannon cut on Kyler Murray or this quote? Yeah. Do you want me to just read the whole thing? It's yeah, okay. Because because I'm I'm trying to figure out where to start and and this I read this yesterday at breakfast. Was out at a nice restaurant eating breakfast okay. with people. And I was like, oh, with this, people? Well, with people, yeah. Okay, so you have friends. But I was, well, saying? I didn't say they were friends. Okay. Uh, but I was <laughs> distracted by this, uh, this story and then obviously sent it to you and Aaron. I'm just going to read the quote. This is from the Peter King piece, and obviously we just talked to Peter King about 15 minutes ago. It says, um, Jonathan Gannon, the question to pose to him was Kyler Murray's been a little bit of a polarizing figure. How did he figure into you taking this job? Okay. Gannon said, quote, if Kyler Murray isn't here, I don't take this job. I think this offense will look much different. This guy does things that completely handcuffs how you play defense at times. I think we can take him to another level and unleash his full skill set. We're not going to put him in gun all the time. I'll tell you that. We have two significant offenses with his skill set, one being under center, and one being in the gun. Then obviously we're going to do what's comfortable with him. The way to take pressure off the quarterback in the O line is to put him under center at times. That's the missing piece. I thought they had with Kyler. They were in gun all the time. When you're in gun all the time, you don't make the defense defend certain play types. Now when you get him under center, the defense has to defend a lot more type of play types. So there's really two offenses I can see us using. Unquote. Sound familiar? Yeah. You know,
1: honestly, um, even I've been saying uh, that. <laughs> I'm just saying right now, based on the inside, I'm not one of those guys that champions his victories and ignores his defeats. Right? I've been wrong on so much of, of of things, and I would say even with the Arizona Cardinals, man, who they were, who my favorite was to be the next head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Right? I was. Like wrong most people were wrong to, about that to a point where it got joke after joke after joke. I'm still making jokes when you're not here, man. Exactly about it, yeah. right. You know. So again, I am not one of those guys that. Champion my victories and ignores my defeats. I want to make that clear. But when I read this, I will tell you right now, I was I was blown away. Now, I, if I tried to write something that I wanted to say, you know, I could have done it better than what Jonathan Gannon said. He nailed it right there. There it is. The pass apart two. The key that unlocks all locks for Kyler Murray. In this offense going forward, there it is. Yo, it was just, it filled me with a hope. And uh, I wanted to hug Jonathan Gannon. Where are you, Jonathan? You know, just, <laughs> it, it, this is the answer. It's got to be the evolution of this offense. When you hear me say, based on earnings, that Kyler Murray's got to fall in love with the game all over again, this is what he's got to do. What Jonathan Gannon just said, this is what he's got to do. If, in fact, he's going to fall in love with the game all over again, he's got to learn the game. And it's the old game. It's the old and the new. When you hear him say, we're going to run two significant offenses with his skill set. What he's saying right there is he is. He's going to run. You've got to have it. You've got to have the under center package of plays. And you've got to say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play some, some play action. We're going to use boots. We're going to use waggles. We're going to hand the ball off. We're going to run the ball. We're going to, if we need to run the ball to beat you, we got to be capable of having Kyler under center, and here comes the tackle zone and the play action that comes off it, and the boot and the waggle and all of it. All of that goodness. We've got to be able to do that. And at the same time, we got to be able to, oh, a little zone read, little RPO, new age offense, jet sweep. You have to be able to do it all. I got so jacked up when I saw that. And then you know what even jacked me up more was Drew Petzing. <laughs> Drew Petzing, the new offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. Guess what team he comes from, Basin audience? The Cleveland Browns. A quarterback coach from the Cleveland Browns. They have a. They have a quarterback that is very similar in Deshaun Watson when you talk about his ability to move and run the ball and throw the ball down the field. Just very similar to Kyler Murray. And not only that, but the offense that the Cleveland Browns run, when you think of the old and the new being blended together, think of the Cleveland Browns, ladies and gentlemen. With Nick Chubb, as their running back, they'll go ahead and they'll line up and they'll get into 12 personnel, and here comes the tackle zone. Whether it's strong or weak, it doesn't matter. Whether they a tight end on either side, they'll get into 12 personnel, and they'll go check with me, run it to the right or run it to the left. Run it at the bubble, whatever we want to do, based on the game plan. It, it's the way to do it. And now, all of a sudden, Drew Petzing is coming from a team that actually used 22 personnel and 21 personnel 22 percent of the time right. is that going to happen here with two backs no that's not going to happen here but still it just shows you the offense he's coming from
0: i uh, i want to go back to the quote though the the gannon quote specifically before we get too deep into Petsing because You know my thoughts on on Cliff Kingsbury last year. There were things he wasn't doing right, obviously, because they won four games. But I really thought that once the momentum gathered, it was easy to just blame everything on Cliff. Oh, it's all Cliff's fault. It's got to be the coach's fault. I mean, people, you you look past the fact that everybody was hurt. You look past the fact that guys that were playing weren't making great plays. Now, I'm not saying you keep Cliff Kingsbury, but I'm just saying it was easy to point and just say it's all one guy's fault. I have concerns about this because it's entirely possible Jonathan Gannon has the same level of success that Cliff Kingsbury has. Has in, in, you know, let's say the last couple years. Correct. But something like that, and I try to deal in logic as, as, as often as I can. You've been saying this for two years. Lorenzo Alexander, who just played defense in this league for years and years, coming in here every Thursday being like, yeah, you know, it's a lot harder to defend a team when they are under center. Running play action sometimes and giving very logical, specific reasons the way Zoe always does. Of I, I have to think an extra split second and then I'm burned basically in coverage or trying to stop a run or try to stop Kyler Murray. Um, you had the clip of Dan Orlovsky a few months ago where everybody's like, oh, look, Dan Orlovsky pointed out this amazing thing. Well, he was right. But you and Zoe have been saying on these airwaves for years, it's just basic logic mm-hmm. that wasn't there and there's, there's no way to to not put that on Cliff the majority of at least on, uh, on Cliff because why would you limit what you can do and if the concern is is Kyler Murray on board well we're going to find out definitively because if they're not doing it yeah. then that means Kyler Murray isn't on board because the head coach just said
1: he is Yes. Oh man, I, I have to tell you though, this fills me with so much hope and expectation. Kyler Murray's going to have to. He's going to have to learn. He's going to have to read coverage. He's definitely going to have to do that. It's going to be a an awakening, if you will. And Kyler Murray hopefully will embrace this. And he's going to have a lot of time to do it. He's going to have a lot of time to mentally get his mind around it. I'm sure that Jonathan Gannon already has talked to him about this and the evolution of this offense and why it's so important. And I, I love the fact that he said he called it the missing piece. The missing piece, based audience. Why would he say that? The missing piece. Because that's exactly what this team needs. If you've got to line up and run over somebody, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to do it as well from the shotgun as you will from a, a quarterback being under center and attacking the line of scrimmage with a guy that's getting seven yards, a seven-yard run at the line of scrimmage and coming downhill with a bad heart. And I mean that in a very metaphorical kind of way. Okay, bad intentions. Attack the line of scrimmage. And here's these second-level linebackers sucking up. Oh, guess what? I didn't hand the ball off to them. Now I get to throw the dig route coming in behind you. Because you sucked up. And it's an easy throw for the Q. You know, I'm... It was one of the most frustrating things have
0: about last year, and I mean, I, you know, to your point, it was even frustrating about the year before when when things were going well because it was amplified last year because it felt like they were playing with one hand tied behind their back and they were doing that to themselves. You know, the injuries you can only control so much. You know, the miscues. There were there were things that happened to the Cardinals last year that they couldn't control, but it felt like they were running seventy five percent of an offense. It felt like you bought a new car and you wanted to see how fast it would go, but you would only take it on side streets where the speed limit is 35 and and people were screaming like why don't you take it on the freeway and see if it can go 75 or whatever and they were just like no we're just we're never gonna do that why would you limit yourself why would you make the opposing team's job that much easier yeah. now i'm not saying the cardinals are gonna win the super bowl because they're gonna do this but it's very refreshing to hear the head coach unprompted say that he wasn't asked about it he said it unprompted yeah they weren't using him yeah uh, they weren't using him
1: enough last year my work here is done
0: <laughs> you still have to do the next three hours, oh. and then you can you can walk. I don't know, whatever. Okay. Watch watch tape of Kyler under center. Okay, uh, when we come back, we're going back to basketball. How much has Chris Paul already been helping Kevin Durant? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.